out. Then at 1245, she steps back in. It's National Biodiesel Day and the Nebraska Soybean Board member and farmer Greg Anderson. By the way, we call, farm broadcasters call him Mr. Biodiesel, just mm. to give you an inkling to his knowledge and understanding of the biodiesel industry. An amazing farmer. He'll talk more about that at 1245. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117. Talk a little soil testing and those ground moisture monitors, some unique research that's being done at K-State University. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. Let's turn it over to Jason. The uh, dance didn't happen last year, but it's uh, about to get underway today. You know, final four, I should say not final four, the first four. First four. We'll start up this afternoon with the first game shortly after four central time as four games are on tap. The last one of the night. A couple of blue bloods at dueling is Michigan State will take on UCLA. We'll give you the lowdown on that. Husker volleyball team remained unbeaten in program history last night, beating Iowa. I think it's 32-0 and now. The Huskers. Nice. You know, we may not be able to beat those guys in football. <laughs> or anything else. But, <laughs> but when it comes to volleyball, volleyball, that pillar <laughs> is still there for Husker Athletics. Good to see them overcome their loss this last weekend. Yeah, they so. bounced back and played pretty sharp last night. We will have UNK volleyball action tonight from the Health and Sports Centers. UNK continues its spring season against Fort Hay State. Speaking of dominance, UNK has never lost to Fort Hay State in the MIAA era in all time. Lopers lead the series ninety-three to nine. Wow! The Tigers in volleyball. Now the match tonight counts but doesn't really count in terms of overall records and all of that stuff but if you can't make it out to the health and sports center uh, we will have it tonight over on the river and 106.9 at Kearney. also first official day of spring activities across the state of nebraska good to see old mother nature has given us a cloudy and cold day for baseball track tennis soccer and golf this is what <laughs> high school golf looked like most of the time all right thank you jason i appreciate it let's turn it over to dave schroeder sitting in for Bob, today stocks a little bit mixed. Looks like the Dow is up and Nasdaq down. Yeah, stocks stocks are mostly lower in early trading on Wall Street as another tick up in bond yields. Once again, pull down shares of technology companies as well as the energy sector. And as you mentioned, the S&P index uh, up about a half a point right now. The world is awaiting a decision on Europe's medical agency on whether to use AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine. All right. Very good. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Clay. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, a lot of data coming out today. China makes another big purchase, yet it almost feels like there's a little bit of a risk-off sentiment coming across the broader commodity complex as we see crude oil futures down over 4% on the day. Grains are listing below 1.5% to 2% lower on the day. So what is kind of churning in the waters here so far at the midday? Well, to oversimplify it, but I have to with the radio time we have, Clay, I think it goes back to what the Federal Reserve said yesterday. They shot 2021 GDP growth for the United States up to 6.5%, but all of their next two and a half, almost three years of CPI, PCE, inflation numbers and expectations by all the different Fed governors and presidents uh, suggest you're barely going to get above 2.5% on any quarter over the next 10 quarters. So there's just no inflation that they see, even though we have this kind of growth potential uh, in their numbers. And I think that really did the job on pulling the plug on some of the inflation, reflation bulls at this stage of the game. And I think it helps explain why we're down 3 to 4% in the crude oil 
and the unleaded gasoline markets, especially in the gold market. It's been all over the place currently, only down about $10 an ounce, but it's been down closer to $1,700 an ounce this this week, which would put it down about $40 an ounce. So these are, I think, the dynamics in the outside markets that we have to contend with. When you hear stories about China cutting their corn and meal content in their hog feed in particular, you have to dial that in and the macro side as well. So plenty to consider here, but back to just, in, for instance, the grain complex. When you take it back to the supply-demand fundamentals that continue to drive the base of this market, we see the export sales out here this morning, and albeit we've backed off on soybeans, we don't have that many soybeans left to sell, have a lot to ship but not to sell. Corn, though, really has started to fulfill that place, especially with China's big appetite. Yeah, and this is where I think the sales overall were good, especially compared to expectations. And then you add on top of it, as you say, a new marketing year high on physical shipments of corn. And then we had fresh corn sales to China of just under 700,000 metric tons. I think the one thing that I will call the attention to the listener on is that we saw weekly pork exports and the sales up 5% over the four-week average. But Mexico was number one, China a distant number two on some decreases in their sales and previous purchases. So I think this has maybe limited the hog bowl a little bit here in the day trade. But what we're really trying to trade around is how much does Brazil and Argentina have coming online and how much does China want to try and cut? It's interesting because we were worried about African swine fever cutting the hog herd, but now we're hearing China wants to cut their corn and meal content in their animal feed, in their animal feed. so they must have the hog herd if they're worried about corn and meal supplies and the high prices. And I think this is why, quite frankly, the market's not down more, because this mixed message signal that we're getting right ahead of us meeting with the Chinese in Alaska today. Just a lot to consider here as we go into the end of the trading week, and that takes us to the hog market. So strong. Is this just a little bit of a pullback in 15 seconds, Mike? I don't think so, Clay. I think that what I'm looking at for clients and subscribers is that as the April goes off the board, you kind of take the rocket fuel away, and the bellies have done their job. So I'd be watching for that as the April expires. Can the June and July really hold these price levels? Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Take advantage of a free trial and an expanded report on the on the lean hog and the pork market right now. That's available at globalcomresearch.com. Take advantage of more when you sign up for the free trial by mentioning the Rural Radio Network. But above all, do remember that trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors to consider these risks before investing. One more time, it's globalcomresearch.com. Time for us to check in on our weather and uh, see what's going on out there. Paul Perkins is here with us as we take a look at how that weather is affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul's in here. We can't quite get away, get rid of the clouds, though, <laughs> can we, Paul? Yeah, there's gonna... definitely some areas with the haves and the haves not <laughs> as far as some sunshine right now. Much of eastern Nebraska and northeast Kansas uh, with a lot of sunshine, at least some sunny to partly cloudy skies. We're also seeing some gaps in the clouds over the southern panhandle, far southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas. But basically from Ogallala to Grand Allen and points north and south, a pretty swat, a tough swath of clouds in the region right now. Well, you know, we we get spring on Saturday, <laughs> and it 
And this is, is kind of how spring goes sometimes, right? You just don't know what you're going to get. Especially on the backside of a very strong system right. that moved through uh, and it continues to exit to the region. We're finally getting rid of the effects of it. And uh, those clouds probably going to hang a little bit tough for today, but eventually we're expected to see some sunshine as the day goes on and see that band of clouds break up. And to see how big that storm was, and to see those storms that hit yes. uh, the south. I mean, that thing was a big storm. Yeah, because they, they had tornado watches yesterday that were declared a PDS, a particularly dangerous situation. Really? And that is a, a rare uh, warning or alert that they do put on tornado watches. Mm. So when you do hear that, uh, definitely take note. And they had to take note of that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, we are precipitation-free. Once again, just those clouds from west-central to central Nebraska and then nearby parts of Kansas. Because of that cloud cover, those temperatures still in the mid to upper 30s from Ogallala to Grand Island and points north and south. But we are seeing low 40s on into eastern Nebraska where that sunshine is a little more prevalent. But the cloud cover and... The snow cover in eastern and western Nebraska holding its temperatures still down into the mid to upper 20s in much of the Nebraska panhandle. Gradually, we will become sunny to partly cloudy today. Temperatures still slightly cooler than usual. North winds on the breezy side as high pressure builds in behind departing low pressure. Winds diminishing tonight as that area of high pressure moves overhead. Sunny skies for tomorrow and seasonal highs expected to rebound back into the 50s. Winds turning to the south tomorrow as the ridge of high pressure moves overhead. Stronger south winds and even warmer temperatures arrive for the weekend as the air pressure difference tightens ahead of an approaching cold front. South wind gusts of 30 to 40 appear likely for the day Saturday. That cold front will stall out by Sunday night, bring us a very good chance for some rain late Sunday night into Monday. Low pressure then tracks east on Monday evening into Tuesday, as it does. Some areas could see possibly some snow mix in. Temperatures early next week cooling back to just a little bit below average. Those cooler temperatures will linger into the long-term forecast. Seasonal to slightly cooler than normal temperatures are forecast for Nebraska and Kansas. Tuesday through the last day of the month, slightly above normal precipitation is indicated. The middle portion of next week in Nebraska and Kansas, that's before it turns drier than normal by next weekend through the end of the month. Last weekend's rain leading to improving conditions in the latest regional drought monitor. Nebraska improved 20 percentage points to 20% drought-free. No dryness concerns right now, southeast of a line from West Point to Grand Ellen. Most of the rest of Nebraska improving to abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Southwest Nebraska was an extreme drought last week. They improved to severe drought conditions. Kansas improved 27 percentage points to 55% drought-free. No dryness concerns across the south-central and east part of Kansas. North-central Kansas abnormally dry. Areas along and west of a line from Norton to Gove and Elkhart improved slightly to a moderate to severe drought. Key weather factors in the markets include the continuation of rain for the Midwest in the 10-day forecast and improving conditions in South America. In the Midwest, a pair of systems next week could produce more widespread showers. Moderate precipitation has fallen in most areas since last weekend, a benefit to the soil moisture. Soil moisture looks to improve for drier areas across western Iowa and the Great Lakes ahead of spring planting. For central and northern Brazil, scattered showers to 
Uh, scattered showers are producing some final delays to the second crop corn planting, but producers are finding some ways around the showers as harvest and planting near completion, albeit several weeks late. Over South Brazil, recent dryness has been a concern for immature and newly planted crops, but showers early this week will combine with more rain early next week and provide some timely moisture for immature crops. A system in Argentina produced some widespread moderate to heavy rain earlier this week that will be timely for many of the growing regions. Well, you know, with that, with the precipitation that we had, we've sure seen things green up yeah. a whole lot. It, boy, it's that amazing. Sun comes out; it, they're just going to pop like crazy. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what everything will look like by Monday after we see some temperatures warming to the 60s for this weekend. And I'm sure even tomorrow when we see a lot more widespread sunshine, it'll really explode as you see uh, spring really pop up. Right. And of course, spring officially arriving Saturday morning at 4:37. I know Scott's counting down the minutes to the end of I, winter. I will, uh, yes, and I, I'm sure I'll, I'll get up then and welcome it in myself. I'm yeah, sure. I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. So I can't agree more. Oh, uh, for sure. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page: krvn.com. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey: celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. I've got a problem, like a really, really bad problem. <laughs> That's the voice of Hunter Suchland. He's a Kearney, Nebraska native, and he has a fishing problem. I've been fishing ever since I can remember, and now I get to fish collegiately for the Husker Bass team. So, I mean, get to go all over and do a bunch of stuff. And when Kate and I were like, you know, let's start a lure company, I think we had enough experience to really kind of have a head start and know what we were going to do from the beginning and kind of go from there. Hunter is referring to his business partner and fishing addict friend, Cade Ludwig, from Wood River, Nebraska. Hunter and I met when we are doing a tour of city campus. He had a fishing shirt on, and it just took off. We weren't <laughs> even paying attention to the tour. We were just kind of talking about fishing the whole time. And so less than a minute into the story, I think it's pretty obvious why the two created their business, LS Lures. So LS Lures is a, a custom jig and chatterbait company right now. As we kind of go on, we're, we're building and growing. We want to reach out in some other lure categories. But we make custom flipping jigs, swim jigs, football jigs, which are all kind of largemouth bass-oriented baits. It's kind of a specialty niche where, I mean, you're not going to go out and catch bluegill on them by any means. But, I mean, there's a lot of bass anglers across the country and a lot of tournament anglers and stuff like that. So it's a really big niche to be in there. There's a lot of business opportunities. And, we just make things a little bit nicer, put nicer materials into it, and kind of make them our way. Yeah, growing off that niche part, we hand tie all of our stuff, which opposed like big box brands. They all use rubber skirts that the rubber like deteriorates a lot faster and falls apart on them. So ours are like quite a bit higher quality, but still a good price for them. Mm -hmm. Hunter and Kate created LS Lures during the Angler 275 class, which is affectionately known as the $50 business class. Essentially, the university gives you $50, tells you to figure out a business, and kind of just throws you in. I mean, you got to figure it out and go from there, try and build, and you go throughout the whole semester and then present about it at the very end. The fishing duo launched their business last September, and since then, they said they've learned a lot of lessons. Some of the stuff we bought, like the chatterbait blades, I think we bought some cheaper ones one time because we were like, you know, these are kind of expensive, but we, we found out pretty quick. It's worth buying that extra chatterbait that's higher quality because it's going to work a lot better. Yeah. So we kind of figured that out and just improving our products over time. Mm -hmm. Like the paint, I remember right when we started, 
some of the paint wasn't like holding on as much. We were hitting rocks and stuff and it was yeah. dinging up. So then we figured out you got to harden it and all that stuff. So it's just trial and error, basically. Mm-hmm. It's been tricky a couple of times where we make stuff and it'll run out of a color immediately and not have that money yet to order enough and make it cost effective. So, I mean, there's been a couple of times we've stumbled and been like, yeah, we're going to have to make people wait for a little bit. And we found out the cold winter that our lead can't get hot enough with the old pot we had. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to put things on hold for a couple of weeks because it was 27 below and we couldn't, couldn't pour wow. jigs. So we had, we had a huge order come in yeah. and had to tell the people, look, like, I know you don't need them right now because obviously you're not fishing right. around here, but like, it's going to be a little bit like we have to wait for a warm day so that, I mean, we can actually make them. And so there's been a couple things like that. We got them fixed. And since Hunter and Cade started their business last September, which was the tail of fishing season, they said they're excited to see what this year has to offer. You can learn more about Hunter Suchland, Cade Ludwig, and their company, LS Lures, by visiting their Instagram. And you can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. Thanks so much for joining. Until next time, I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network. All right, time for us to take a look at sports. Jason is in-house with us here today. And, uh, you know, it, it is sometimes you forget that last year we didn't even have a Final Four, and, and or excuse me, March Madness, and now we get to get things going again. That's nice. I, I hope that it's uh, I hope that it continues. I hope they can pull it <laughs> off, too. Even though some of the NCAA uh, protocols are a little crazy, mm-hmm. I ran into a little bit of that even at the Division Two level right, down yeah, you in did. Warrensburg. But... They're just trying to get this thing through. I hope they can. Now, where, did I see where some officials got COVID and had to Yes, due to contact tracing because they left the hotel and went to eat when they weren't supposed oh. to do that. And then one of them came down with COVID, so then that knocked the whole bunch out. Oh, can't have so, that. Nope, we can't have so any of that. Here. This won't get through. <laughs> nope, so, so uh, first four games tonight, they start this afternoon at 410 Central Time. Mount St. Mary's against Texas Southern. After that at 530, it's Wichita State against Drake. That'll be followed up by Norfolk State and Appalachian State. And the last game of the night, 857, has Michigan State against UCLA. Fifth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team got back on track last night, posting its eighth sweep and 13 matches as they took care of Iowa. Those two will play again on Saturday night at 6. We will bring you that match here on 880-KRVN. UNK is back at home tonight as the Lopers host Fort Hay State in volleyball action. Head coach Rick Squire says they continue to try to fine-tune some things as they work their way through the spring. As you start playing, you know, in the game of volleyball in particular, you know, it's a rotation game, so you might have some rotations that you really like, and that you're playing well in and for us especially this year with some of the injuries and so forth it's all about can we score and can we side out and can we get kills in every rotation unk is seven and two this year whereas fort hay state is two and three tonight's match begins at six we will bring it to you on 93.1 the river and 106.9 in Kearney. after missing out on its chance to compete for a national title last year the husker wrestling team they are a part of the ncaa champions championships that are going on for the next three days down at St. Louis, Nebraska qualified nine wrestlers for the event. And after not getting to play last spring due to COVID, the Lexington boys soccer team is excited to be playing, and head coach Jess McCark says they can't wait to get started. You know, I can sense it from when we started back in October with preseason stuff that uh, the guys were excited. Uh, their work ethic over the last few months has really shown that, and 
we're hoping all the hard work is going to pay off as we get the ball rolling here this weekend. They will take on Papillion La Vista South this afternoon. Also, Carney High opens up its baseball season at home. Be a chilly one. Yeah, yeah. that's about right. That's <laughs> about right. Here's Nebraska weather in March to open up spring sports season, but they're getting a season. So. No, well, that's right. And they, you think that Lux team might be pretty darn good? It huh? could be very good. All right, very good. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jason. Years ago in Kearney, the Todd Becker Foundation is working to help high school youth make better decisions. Keith Becker, Ministry Director of the Todd Becker Foundation, says the outreach effort began in the spring of 2005 following the tragic death of his then 18-year-old brother Todd Becker in an alcohol-related car crash. Keith Becker says several outreach events are scheduled for this month and next with the theme of Hear the Story, Be Moved. Keith wants teenagers to know that they face many of the same issues his brother faced. They're faced with the same temptations, the same struggles of whether it be fitting in to be popular, drinking and partying, you name it. And the most powerful part is at the end, Paul, when we will challenge high school students to get up, literally make a stand and commit their lives to following Jesus Christ. Keith Becker says the foundation uses his brother's tragic story to encourage high school youth to steer clear of the poor choices that ultimately cost his brother Todd to lose his life. Outreach events are planned for the evening of March 31st at Loomis High School and April 14th at McCook High School. COVID-19 protocols will be observed at the events. Attorneys general from 21 states are suing to overturn President Joe Biden's cancellation of the contentious Keystone XL oil pipeline from Canada. Led by Ken Paxton of Texas and Austin Knudsen of Montana, the state said in Wednesday's court filing that Biden overstepped his authority when he blocked the 1,200-mile-long pipeline on his first day in office. The attorneys general say Congress should have the final say on the project. The pipeline would carry crude from western Canada's oil sands region to Gulf Coast refineries. Biden canceled its permit over longstanding concerns that burning the crude would make climate change worse. Nebraska has moved one step closer to enacting rules for the state's newly legalized casinos, but some gambling opponents criticized portions that would clear the way for sports betting and electronic keno tickets. Lawmakers gave the measure first-round approval with a 37-5 vote. The measure would create regulations to govern Nebraska casinos once they've opened. Casinos have been banned until voters approved a constitutional amendment in November to allow them. Some of the rules in the measure would prohibit patrons from using credit cards to play Keno, and bars that offer the game could issue electronic tickets instead of paper tickets. It would also make clear that sports betting is allowed in the casinos. Finally, Nebraska's preliminary unemployment rate for January was a seasonally adjusted 3.2%, according to the Nebraska Department of Labor. The rate was down two-tenths from the revised rate of 3.4% the previous month. January's unemployment rate was three-tenths higher than the previous January's rate of 2.9%. That was before the COVID-19 pandemic was declared, and Nebraska's rate was tied with Vermont for third lowest in the country, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Only South Dakota and Utah had lower rates. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. 
The Nebraska Passport Program released their 2021 destinations, and one local produce farm that made it on the list this year is busy gearing up for the spring and summer seasons. Today we're visiting with Ryan Pekarik. He is the owner of Pekarik's Produce, which is north of Seward, Nebraska in Butler County. Ryan, tell me a little bit more about your operation in general and some of the things that you guys do. So we've got uh, one heated greenhouse and five unheated greenhouses that we're starting to grow vegetables in now. And then we'll do 15 acres about of vegetables out in the field. Uh, right now we're just growing transplants that will either go into one of the greenhouses or in the field later on. We've got about 14,000 onion plants started. We've got cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, kohlrabi, kale plants started. Uh, we've got a few cucumber plants started that will grow in the greenhouse. Those should start producing in late late April if the sun shines. Um, and then we've got some radishes, lettuce, spinach, beets, carrots, and peas planted in the ground in some of the greenhouses. Uh, about two more weeks and then all six greenhouses will be completely full with the first turn of stuff. Uh, we just had over five inches of rain this weekend, so field work will start later. So, Ryan, you've already listed a number of fruits and vegetables that you guys grow on your operation. Walk me through the process of what it's like to manage growing all of those different types of produce. That's probably a lot more like row crop farming than people think. We're prepping the soil. We do cover crops in the fall and the spring. Uh, we send soil tests off to ward labs, and then instead of putting a grain corn yield on it, we can put a yield for tomato or watermelon or cucumber, so that's real similar. We plant almost all year. Typically, we would plant something in January, but that didn't work this year. It was just too cold. So we'll plant from February to early September. Uh, we start harvesting. Sometime in April, we'll start harvesting out of the tunnels and that the greenhouses, and that will run until... Well, really, we can harvest out of those tunnels 12 months a year, and then we'll be harvesting vegetables outside from mid or late May with what I call early salad crops, and then we'll run all the way to basically grain corn harvest season in October and November. We'll finish up with carrots and potatoes and red beets and hard squash and sweet potatoes. I love that you're saying we because this <laughs> is a family operation that you run with your wife and children. Talk about that aspect of it. I kind of run the production side, not kind of, I run the production side. My wife is doing more and more of the marketing and um, social media stuff to get our name out there. In 2020, during COVID, we started some online sales and that went really well. Um, we had talked about that in the past or years before 2020. And then finally, when the wall came tumbling down and we didn't know if we were going to have farmer's markets in 2020, we did online sales off the farm and that worked well. We'll run a crew in the field from really, and I'll have the first full-time worker. I'll come back here basically as soon as the ground dries in late March. And then during April and May, I'll have maybe one to three people around. And then from late May to October, it'll be anywhere from like four to 12 people working on the farm, depending what we're doing. That's some local adults, some local high schoolers, and some uh, Hispanic help. Um, then we've got another kind of crew of mostly gals that helps run farmer's markets. A couple gals run a Sunday market in Lincoln for us. I usually cover the Saturday market in Lincoln, and somebody's got to cover the market at the farm, and then we'll come into Seward two days a week, which we're hoping to get back to in 2021. So, Ryan, tell me the story of how you started this business versus where you got to now, because it's grown quite a bit. 
until I started when I was in college back in the early 2000s. Maybe started with one acre and then we grew to say three acres. And then my wife and I both went to grad school. She was in ag engineering at UNL and I was in horticulture at UNL. That's where we met. And then we finished there and we went out to North Carolina State. She was in ag engineering out there and I was in horticulture, vegetable production. And that's kind of a different world out there. That was like you'd drive down the road and you'd see a 100-acre field of sweet potatoes or tobacco or peanuts or something like that. When I got done on my degree program out there, it was either Ph.D. or postal digger, and I didn't really want to go into a Ph.D. and stay in the university system or go work for industry. So I came home to postal digger. That would have been in 2009 would have been the first year I came back. I like to joke I've never had a real job. So we started in 2009, maybe three acres. Either 2010 or 11 was when we built the first greenhouse. And like I say, now we have six greenhouses and we'll do about 15 acres of vegetables outside. And then there's a couple acres for rotation with cover crop uh, to kind of stay off the ground. We're visiting with Ryan Pekarik. He is the owner of Pekarik's Produce. Ryan, what would you say has been the biggest learning moment throughout this whole process? Growing anything, I think, is easy, whether you're marketing grain or cows or carrots or whatever. It's you win or lose when you make the sale. So that's probably the hardest, not the hardest part, but that's the part. Like, it's fun to drive tractors. It's fun to go out and do farming. It's fun to plan the horticulture and the agronomy on paper. But sometimes, like, if you think you're going to have gray hair, it'll come from getting it sold, which is similar no matter what commodities you're selling if it's cabbage or fat hogs or whatever it's if you get it sold right then you're then you're winning so great insight i love that well ryan as we round up this conversation is there anything we missed that's important to mention right now selling uh csa subscriptions which is a vegetable subscription those are marketed on our website you can look that up on com. you'll pay a one-time fee in the spring now and you'll get 18 weeks of produce that you can pick up either in downtown Lincoln, downtown Seward, or at the farm 12 miles north of Seward. And it's a weekly box of vegetables you pick up on Wednesday. Uh, It's like Christmas for your kitchen all summer. That'll start in late May and it runs till mid or late September, 18 weeks consecutive. All right. Great information. Thanks so much, Ryan. Again, we've been visiting with Ryan Pekarik. He is the owner of Pekarik's Produce, which is north of Seward, Nebraska. And they have been named to the Nebraska Passport Program for 2021 destinations. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Thursday, I'm Bob Bergen. Stocks are mostly lower in afternoon trading on Wall Street. As rising bond yields once again pulled down shares of technology companies as well as the energy sector, bank stocks are among the best performers as investors bet that higher interest rates would translate into higher profits. The S&P 500 index was down two-tenths of a percent at midday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up six-tenths of a percent. And the technology-heavy Nasdaq Composite lost 1.5%. Bond yields ticked higher again, with the yield on the 10-year Treasury note rising to 1.73%, near levels not seen since January 2020. The number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits rose last week to 770,000, a sign that layoffs remain high even as much of the U.S. economy is steadily recovering from the coronavirus recession. 
Today's report from the Labor Department showed that jobless claims climbed from 725,000 the week before. The European Union's Drug Regulatory Agency says experts have concluded that the AstraZeneca vaccine is not linked to an overall increase in the risk of blood clots and that the benefits of use outweigh the risks. The finding from the European Medicines Agency could open the way for European countries that had suspended the use of the vaccine over the past week to resume dispensing the shots. The Senate has confirmed California Attorney General Xavier Becerra as President Joe Biden's health secretary. Becerra fills a key position in the administration's coronavirus response and its ambitious push to lower drug costs, expand insurance coverage, and eliminate racial disparities in medical care. Today's largely party-line vote was 50-49. to 49. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. ...to rebound back to the 50s. Winds will turn south as a ridge of high pressure moves overhead. Stronger south winds and even warmer temperatures arrive this weekend as the air pressure difference uh, tightens ahead of an approaching cold front. With your 880 Weather Watch, I'm Scott Foster. Upcoming ag information is brought to you by Ag Excel of Kearney, also Central Valley Irrigation. For the state of Nebraska, sunny to partly cloudy today and tomorrow, breezy today. Highs in the low 40s in the west, mid to upper 40s, west, central, southwest, and central, low 50s in the east. Lows tonight getting down into the 20s. For northeast Colorado, a sunny sky today and tomorrow, highs Today in the upper 40s, tonight's lows in the mid-20s, breezy tomorrow with highs in the upper 50s. Right now it's uh, 43 in the Springs, 43 in Lyman, and 50 in Lahana. For northwest and north-central Kansas, sunshine to partly cloudy today and tomorrow, breezy north-central today. Highs in the upper 40s to low 50s, lows tonight in the mid-20s, highs tomorrow in the mid-50s. Finally, in central Nebraska today, breezy and becoming partly cloudy highs in the mid to upper 40s. North winds diminishing to 10 to 20 tonight. Clear lows in the mid-20s. East winds becoming light. Tomorrow, expect sunny conditions. Highs in the mid-50s. South winds at 10 to 20 and then breezy on Saturday with a 50% chance of rain coming up on Sunday night. Right now here at the Lexington studios of KRVN, we are still at 35 degrees. Radio Network, as we start to round the corner and go into the close, we're starting to compound some of the losses seen in the grain complex. Soybean oil, though, is the leader to the downside, now losing more than 3% of contract. Do you remember, though, soybean oil, a thinner volume trade, so when it starts to move or swing, it really has a tendency to be one of the leaders when it comes to a percentage loss or gain. We're seeing, though, 2% losses basically across the board when it comes to the livestock as the settlements roll in. Outside trade, the equities are mixed with the NASDAQ down 209 the dollar or the Dow, though, up 131 points. The dollar index continues to emerge higher as we continue to see the bond rates rise as well. I should say the bond yields, rather, as we have saw a new multi-year high at 1.75% on the 10-year Treasury yield. However, the actual bond premium continues to drop in the futures trade given those yields are starting to rise. May corn, 546.5, down 11.5. July, 530.5, down 12. September, 486 and 3 quarters, down 10 and a quarter. December, new crop corn, 467 and 
and three quarters, down seven and three quarters. May soybeans, 13.92 and a quarter, down 25 and a half. July, 13.80 even, down 26. August, 13.35 and three quarters, down 26 and three quarters. November new crop, 12.07 even, down 28 and a half. May Chicago wheat, 6.30 and a half, down nine and a half. July, 6.22 and a half, down eight. September, 6.22 and a half, down seven and three quarters. May Kansas City, 5.88 and a quarter, down 12 and three quarters. July, 5.93 and a quarter, down 12 and a half. September, 5.98 and a half, down 12 and a quarter. April, live cattle, dollar 18.57, down 85. June settles, dollar 19.65, down 237. August, dollar 19.02, down 265. March feeders, dollar 35.52, down a dollar 40. April, dollar 41.42, down 322. August, dollar 55.67, down 230. April, lean hogs, 94.30, up 62. May, 95 even, down a dollar 7. June, a hundred dollars, two cents, down 230. Attorney Advisement from Longo Legal PLLC Attention Farmers Recent studies have linked the commercial herbicide Paraquat with a significant increase in Parkinson's disease. If you or a loved one were exposed to Gramoxone or any other Paraquat-containing herbicides at work or on a farm and then developed Parkinson's disease, you may be entitled to financial compensation and you have the right to take action. Call Longo Legal today for a free consultation. 844-900-DRUG That's 844-900-DRUG Non-attorney spokesperson Hey, you got a second? Okay, this is Susan Littlefield, and I'm asking a favor of you. Do you know a woman out there in agriculture that you're pretty proud of? Let us know about it. During the month of April, we are going to be celebrating some amazing women in agriculture as we showcase what they do on their farms, their ranches, and their businesses. You can find the link under our news tab to nominate your woman in agriculture. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we check in on the closing livestock futures now with Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, as we see, really kind of a risk-off day as we came into the settlements, at least for the livestock. Yeah, it was kind of an ugly day for livestock today. Uh, Triple-digit losses uh, on quite a few contracts. Uh, doesn't matter uh, whether it was cattle, feeders, or hogs. Uh, really came under some, uh, some pressure uh, during the day. Uh, and this despite the fact, like in the cattle, the uh, cutouts were actually just fractionally higher, but uh, I think there's been a little disappointment over uh, the cash remaining pretty much a steady uh, uh, trade. And that, uh, considering all the premiums, uh, that uh, really put some pressure on. There's some other things, I think, that are uh, really beginning to uh, hit the market, and that is the uh, uh, fact uh, that all the uh, new tax raises, things like that, that are going to uh, uh, affect the economy, and that uh, would affect the demand. And that uh, really, I think, surfaced today uh, in the market, and that's why we saw such a sell-off, and it also included the hogs, despite the fact that the cutout in the hogs was over $8 higher, and cash was uh, almost a dollar higher. But uh, the only one to survive was the nearby April contract, which closed higher. The rest, triple-digit losses through uh, February. So, tough day today at the livestock. That's Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities Days. Cattle slaughter, just 111,000 head. Hog slaughter day, though, 492,000 head. Sharp drop there in the cattle.
more about soil testing with pH soil moisture sensors. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. In certain parts of Kansas, it's been a long-standing crop soil issue. Low pH levels indicating acid soils. Now that can act production and problems. And lately, it has become more of a widespread occurrence within the state. K-State's crop nutrition specialist is Dovar Ruan's advertising producers will typically haven't contended with low pH soils in the past to be aware of the possibilities, especially when no-till cropping. One of the big contributors of acidity is fertilizer. You know, multiple decades of uh, nitrogen fertilizer application, uh, it will start to develop some acidity. And again, going back to systems like no-till systems, where we perhaps apply nitrogen on the, on the surface, that acidity obviously will tend to concentrate more near uh, the surface where we are again putting more of that fertilizer. You know, a one unit change in pH, that's basically tenfold change in acidity. So sometimes, you know, we're looking at changes from uh, 6.0 to uh, 5.7, for example, that's basically double the acidity. Low pH can directly translate into crop performance issues. And here's a prime example. One of the main problems we see is aluminum toxicity potential. And the main issue really, especially in low pH, of course, is uh, the potential for aluminum in solution that basically becomes toxic to the roots and affecting plant growth. And so oftentimes we are looking at fields with very low pH. You tend to see plants like uh, look a little bit like nutrient deficiencies and maybe kind of a, a water stress type symptoms, when in reality what's happening is that we have aluminum in solution causing aluminum toxicity and obviously uh, limiting root growth. Ruaz Diaz does encourage producers to sample fields for pH this spring and then plan corrective measures if necessary. And a new K-State measure indicates that the sampling in a no-till situation could be conducted in a very specific way. We do have a study that we just finished here uh, last year, uh, multiple years, uh, a few locations in, in central part of the state. And something that we, we did in that case, uh, long-term no-till systems, uh, we basically apply lime on the surface and basically measure how much of that lime basically move in the profile. And we found that that lime basically react in the upper three inch of that soil. And so going back to soil sampling, oftentimes we need to ideally go back and collect samples at the three inch sampling depth. Remember, we typically recommend six inches for all the nutrients, uh, but for no-till and lime application, that would be the, the only situation where we'll recommend to do at three inches. On to soil moisture. Now, there are many facets to site-specific crop production, and one in particular is earning the attention of a longtime precision agricultural scientist who is now the head of Kansas State University's Department of Agronomy. He and his research team are closing in on some major advances in crop soil moisture technology. Rakosla talks about this work that's being done, which aims to improve a current precision irrigation capabilities. Today, we have commercially available technology either linear irrigation or center pivot irrigation systems that allow you to apply water how much you want, where you want, when you want in the field, at every nozzle level. What we don't have is the capacity that allows you to take full advantage of the technology to enable that technology to apply how much we want, where we want, and when we want in terms of water. Interesting information from K-State University. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, as we come in here to the close, really kind of just a risk-off sentiment built up here over the afternoon over the broader commodity complex. How much of this do we look at at a reflationary trade bias exiting after the FOMC markets or meeting minutes yesterday and the fact that this is maybe just still in that range-bound theory? Well, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, in, in the wheat markets, you've got you've got rains that are you know hitting areas of, uh, of Kansas that need it. So the market looks at that and says, okay, we can probably price in worst case, price out worst case scenario and yield. You got some recharging of soil moisture in Northwest Iowa, Nebraska. I'm sure you folks can attest to switching in like northeast corn regions, how dry it's been. Um, and I think that'll be a uh, a theme that'll continue even with rain. So the monitor showed that, but that's somewhat kind of bearish. And then you have the story of the 10-year Treasury, which, you know, interest rates in the more medium run are back to where they were before the the, uh, the COVID started. So at the day that everything was kind of, you know, falling apart here in this world, we were uh, we were right here at 131 on the futures, right around 101.75 on the interest rate price. And if that goes up, that, that creates a lot of, takes a lot of speculative froth out of the market, especially over the longer run. So you're really seeing contracts that have been bid up to third crew contracts, now, energy, anything that's really inflationary is coming out of the market now. So, uh, in my opinion, it's just money flow, but uh, it is worth noting and seeing crude here, you know, down 70%, you kind of have to be aware that's going to lean on the, on the egg to a certain degree. But over the long run, still a weather market, you know, especially in new crop corn, 474, 68, I think it was 467 is the close. I don't think that changes a whole lot of decisions with being still at 12. And, um, you know, again, it's about wheat, I think, in the near term, more fundamentally. Looking at the input side of that, when you look at the energies, how much of a drop in what markets do we need to see that drop in before inputs like fertilizer become cheaper for U.S. producers? It'll probably be a while until the farm gets a piece of cheaper. I think more, more things like diesel fuel. So like longer-term diesel hedges, maybe you want to look at. Uh, you know, just talking to a few people who are like, yeah, you know, cost of, cost of moving around starting to move up a little bit. And I still think, I think that this is a washout more related to a, a rise in interest rates, and that's taking speculative profit away. I don't think that this is the start of a new trend. That said, I mean, we could easily see 55. Um, but again, as we start to see more data that, you know, the world, that the U.S. is spinning on its axis again, I think that will put prices right back to where they were. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And that's going to do it for our midday program for today. If you'd like to hear our midday program in its entirety, maybe you missed a little bit of it, you can go to that at krvn.com under podcasts.